This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boyd's. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Bowl at Boyd's here on ESPN Crick Info. It's been a sad and tragic week for the cricket world because of Philip Hughes' death a few days ago. Joining me as usual is Jeffrey Boycott. How are you doing, Jeffrey? I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. Um, it is sad news. Uh, you've got to feel that it was a freak accident and that all these thousands and millions of cricketers that are playing all over the world that I've done for 200 years, uh, this is a very rare an unfortunate event for somebody to die when playing cricket. Uh, you've got to feel for Philip's family and his friends who were very close to him. They must be going through a terrible time. I mean, you send uh, lots of boys and uh, mothers send their sons off to cricket and they don't expect them to come back uh, the way Philip did. You, you're going to enjoy yourself at cricket. You've also got to think for the bowler. I mean... <laughs> A lot of bowlers around the world, it's been part of cricket to be uh, to try and get batsmen out, to try and be aggressive as well, a bowler not short ball, to test their courage and their, their strength of character, but not looking to, you know, for the ball to do such damage as it did to Philip Hughes. You're looking to get them out. Uh, so he must be having a terrible time. Uh, how we'll get over that and how the family and friends of Philip will get over it. Uh, I mean, we all know you have to in the end, but it's not going to be easy. <clears throat> then there'll be players who will be thinking, hell, I've been wearing a helmet now for a few years, and I assume that I'd be all right. But I, I, if I got hit on the helmet, uh, I'd be fine, you know, I'd just be shaken up a little bit with the surprise of being hit in the helmet, but I wouldn't get a serious injury. So there'll be uh, manufacturers and cricket authorities looking at helmets, see how they can see if they can make any improvements. Uh, but in the end, you know, you, you just can't cover every bit of anatomy on on a on a human being. Otherwise, we'd be in a suit of armour, and then we can't move and we can't play cricket. So it's uh, oh, there'll be a lot of people asking various questions about themselves about. Helmets, protective helmets. Maybe players and coaches will be thinking, well, oh, crikey. Um, I, I think more people do get hit today because of one-day cricket a great deal. In one-day cricket, you know, you play 20, 20, 40 overs, 40, 50 overs, and you feel as a batsman, you must do the modern youngsters. I have to hit it. I have to score off it. So everybody's hooking and pulling and having a go at things. And when you do that, because you can't afford to let the ball be a dot ball in the scorebook, you think of 2020, 120 balls, you're virtually trying to score, you know, eight, nine, ten runs and over. And so you have a dart at everything, and it's bound to mean that more people are going to get hit. So, you know, maybe coaches and players will have to talk it over and think, well, when I'm playing test matches, I'm going to have to duck and weave a bit more. It'll mean a lot of soul-searching for all kinds of people. But uh, in the end, you know, it won't bring Philip back and a free capsule. You just hope there aren't going to be any more. Well, let's hope so. So the first question was sent by Sharad Singh from India regarding the incident, who says, 
How does this incident change the mindset of batsmen against fast bowling? How do they reconcile themselves to play again? Because, like it has been reported and like you said, it was a freak accident. And the second question was somewhat related. This was sent by Mahesh Purandre from the United States. And he says, what strategy should the Indian batsmen apply on their current tour of Australia to face the likes of Mitchell Johnson? I think, you know, that the Indian batsmen in particular, they play on uh, in the subcontinent much slower pitches where the ball comes onto the batsman slower, thereby giving the batsman a bit more time to play the pull and hook shot. And if you have more time and, and, and with talent, then you can hit the ball easier. But in Australia, the pitches are usually quicker. Um, more often than not, the ball bounces a little bit more. So it's coming onto you that much quicker. Uh, I would say to the Indian batsman, look, you can have a bit of net practice. And you can have a couple of warm-up matches, but, you know, you're not used to it. And for me, I'd be saying to look, we, we've got to be sensible here. Don't hook or pull earlier in, early in the innings. And if you can get away with it, don't hook or pull at all until you're really well set with 50 or 60, 70 runs. Try and practice in the nets, just ducking and weaving and swaying. But trying to keep your eye on the ball, that's, that, that's the key to it is really keep looking at the ball, and if it misses you with three or four inches, uh, in our standard of cricket, the way we play at test cricket, or the way I did play, that's a long way away for us. I mean, it might, might seem frightening to people who are not used to it, but we sway and duck and miss the ball by three or four inches, and that's a really good leave. And I realise uh, that it's more difficult for the current generation of young batsmen because with, I've just said so much one day and 2020 cricket in particular, it's just not really possible to allow short balls to go past your head and not play them so that they're in the scorebook as a dot ball. So you have a go at them, you try and hit it somewhere and because you have to score. And when you grow up with this over many, many years, it becomes instinctive that somebody bangs it in short, you have a dart at it, you have a go at it. Uh, because you don't allow too many dot balls. And by playing so much of this 2020 and one-day cricket, so it becomes instinctive, almost automatic, to react to the short ball with a hook or a pull. But I think in Australia, they've got to try to resist it. And the Aussie bowlers will tempt the Indian batsmen. They'll put two men out. So you've got to resist the temptation. It's a sucker shot in test cricket. Because just think of it this way. In test cricket, as opposed to 2020, if a bowler bowls you a short ball and you hook it for four, great. And then he bowls you another one and you hook that for four. And then a bit later on, if another over, he bowls you another one and another one. Maybe you get four fours. But then on the fifth one, you get out. That means he's got you out one for 20 if it's five fours. So who's winning? If a bowler can get a batsman out for five fours every time, the bowler is winning. So you just can't afford to just hit one or two. In 2020, that would be brilliant. You say, crikey, I've hit five fours in 20 runs in five balls. Look at my strike rate that all set. The Beyonce, what a fantastic 2020 player. But test cricket is not like that. You've got to get big scores. You can't get quick 20s. You've got to get slower... You get quick 70s or quick 100s, great. But if you can't get them quick, get them slow. Because 70s and 100s win test matches.
And you've got to remember this in Test Match cricket. Just hitting a couple of boundaries, not going to get your big total. So try to duck and weave. And if you keep ducking and weaving, the fast bowlers will get tired of bowling short because it takes a lot out of them. And the more the Indian batsmen have a go at the short stuff, they'll get more. And he asked me specifically in that question about playing Mitchell Johnson. He's a fantastic bowler at the moment, except he's very fast and at the moment very good and very accurate. Accept that. There's no shame in it, no embarrassment. Play him out of the attack. Make a plan to be patient. Even if you don't score many runs of him, make sure he doesn't destroy the batting lineup like he did against England. Getting wickets at 14, you have no chance of winning the test. That's what he did to England. Runs for India are the key. And no matter if it takes the batsman longer than normal to get them, just get them. All right, let's take the next question. This was sent by Harsh Dang from Canada. This is also about India-Australia. He says, India were thrashed in England, but I think that was because they struggled against swing. And James Anderson was the main bowler who troubled them. Mitchell Johnson, everyone knows, is a top bowler, but he's not really a swing bowler. He scares you by the bouncers, the pace. So do you think if India plays the short ball well, they have a chance? And Virat Kohli will be captaining in the first test at least. So what do you think he will bring to the team after the 5-0 whitewash against Sri Lanka in the ODIs? Australia's batting also looks a little rusty after the loss to Pakistan. So can India exploit that and possibly beat Australia this time? Well, there's always a chance in a two-horse race. Uh, anything can happen. But if I had to be a betting man, I'd say if India play the short ball well, they will have a better chance of beating Australia. But I don't believe they will play the short ball well. There's nothing I've seen in Indian cricket over the last few years or last 20 years has told me. I mean, since the era of Vensaka and Gavaskar and those players, they were excellent players of the short ball. I mean, Tendulkar, Dravid, they were brilliant. But you, you haven't had a team full of players. You've had individuals who've been exceptionally good. You haven't had a team of players who played the short ball well. I also believe that more patience and better selection of shots is going to be vital. In England, when the ball's moving around, you do need patience, concentration, and, and India's patience and concentration I thought was pretty poor. Yes, the ball won't move as much as in England, but in Australia it doesn't need to move as much because when you've got pace and the, uh, an extra pace, the ball hurrying onto you, the extra bounce, it doesn't need to do as much because you have to move that much quicker as a batsman to play the shot, defensive or attacking. And with that extra pace and a little bit of extra bounce, you only need a small amount of movement and, and you nick it. So, and don't even think about the Australian batting. Yeah, it wasn't too clever against Pakistan and so forth. But look, that's the turning ball. Australia will bat a lot better on their own surfaces. But in my opinion, it's not that the Australian batting is great and it's not about the Aust Aussie batting. It's about can India bat out of their skins to put runs on the board, that's decent totals on the board, against a quality pace attack. I don't think they can and I think India will lose because I don't think some of your batsmen will have the patience. Flashing strokes, 
taking on the Australian bowlers, particularly Johnson, I don't think will work because the Aussie bowling is good. You need a much more pragmatic approach rather than a gung-ho approach. All right, time will tell us if how well India can face the short ball or not. There's a little bit of change in the schedule. The first test is now in Adelaide on the 9th of December. And time for the next question. Nirav Patel from Malawi sent this question. Says, Jeffrey, we see Mr. Srinivasan fighting for his place in the BCCI, but he's still the head of the ICC. What can we as supporters do to bring back the democracy the ICC had? India cut short a series in South Africa some time back and didn't get fined. So why should the WICB be on the receiving end? Why can't it be fair? <laughs> that is a very good question, but look, we the public, us cricket lovers can do nothing. It's all infighting in committee stages. It's way above our heads. And the ICC is not going to listen to anybody. It's the chairman of all the major countries. They're going to do their own thing. And for India to claim damages from the West Indies Cricket Board and become so indignant, it's just posturing to me. The West Indies Cricket Board don't have any money. So it'd be like getting blood out of a stone. You were quite right. India did a similar thing to South Africa, cutting out the iconic Cape Town Test match at New Year, which cost South African cricket millions of dollars in lost revenue from TV and sponsors, and it let down the South African public who wanted to see the match. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, we say in England. So India did it to South Africa. Now you could say West Indies have done it to India. But, you know, it wasn't really the West Indies cricket board. It was the West Indies players. They withdrew their labor. They went on strike. What can you do? If people don't want to work for you, you can't make them. It's no different cricketers as it is in your workplace. All you people are listening to me, whatever job you have. If you down tills and say, right, I'm not working for you for anymore, I'm not going to work for you anymore. I'm not coming in tomorrow morning. I'm not staying in bed. What the hell can they do? They can only say, well, you don't work for us anymore. Fine. But they can't make you go and work. And for the Indian board to blame the West Indies board is ludicrous. I mean, they couldn't stop their players. They tried to tell them to stay and play. But the players wouldn't. And also, India is the financial powerhouse of world cricket. India makes more money than any other cricket board. It has lots of money, pots of it. Whereas a number of cricket countries like around the world, like West Indies, New Zealand, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, are struggling. They don't have money. They're just trying to make ends meet and keep cricket going in their countries. So why can't the West Indies, uh, why can't India be magnanimous to the uh, West Indies board and say it was just a freak incident and uh, hope it doesn't happen again? Uh, I mean, West Indies could come back and play in India when they've sorted things out. But you can't make people work if they don't want to work for you. That's true and that brings us to the last question of this episode. Bhavik from the United States sent this one about the World Cup format. He says the 2003 format, according to me, was the best format where teams winning league matches counted in the next round and also the Super 6 stage, which doesn't knock out the teams in one shot like in quarterfinals. 
and also the tournament wouldn't get stretched much like the 2007 World Cup Super 8 stage. Why can't the ICC standardize the format for all World Cups? Yes, common sense never applies with the ICC. I mean that many media personnel and ex-players like myself, plus privately a number of current players, but they're not going to say anything publicly, are they? Because they're under contract to their boards. But many people uh, have felt for some time that the World Cup from beginning to end is too long, six weeks. There's too many unequal matches, uninteresting matches. But again, I'll say it's about money. When the Soccer World Cup takes about four weeks, and that's ten times bigger than Cricket's World Cup, we have six weeks. And it's about money because TV wants as many matches as possible to fill its screens, to sell advertising. The ICC likes as many matches as possible because the more matches that the television company wants, the more money that they'll pay the ICC. I know they should be saying, what is the best format to showcase our cricket product? Because cricket's a product in many ways, something we love and cherish, but it's a product. The product is the World Cup of 50 overs. Let's have the format which is best to show it off at its best, make it interesting every match. And then when you've decided that or agreed upon it, then sell it to TV. But no, it's always about how much money. You've heard me say that, and I've said it again and again. Pavic, you have common sense, but money beats common sense every time. <laughs> All right. That's the end of another episode of Bullet Boys. Keep sending in your questions, your feedback via feedback form on the website, and we'll try to take as many as we can with Mr. Boycott, who will join us again in two weeks from now. Till then, goodbye and good luck. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.